I'm drawn to the blood, the flight of a one-winged dove. How, how did this happen? How, how did this happen? The strength of his arm, my lover caught me off guard. Welcome to the Savage Beast Podcast. I am your host, Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, as always, your co-host, Paul McLeod. I just realized that like, you have totally uh, inserted a hierarchy into your host terminology there that it's... I really don't appreciate. Um, I am the host. You just happen <laughs> to be the host as well. Although I guess if I call you the co-host, yeah, that you seem bitch, then you're like uh-huh. co co-captain. Yeah, I guess well, are I we guess bo- I'll take are, it. Are we co-hosts? We are. We are mutual co-hosts. Okay, <laughs> I'll use that full uh, PC term. My honor demands it, and uh, I will be triggered if you don't. <laughs> Whenever I hear someone say triggered, I only see the gif of Neil deGrasse Tyson approaching light speed. <laughs> which, I, which I actually is, just saw that gif yesterday for the first time. And which what is a ridiculous clip. <laughs> actually, also the gif I picture uh, most associated with the meme uh you nutted, but she still suck it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I haven't even seen that meme, but I presumed it was being used for that purpose. Although there's a, there's a really good Picard one for that as well. <laughs> oh, man. And I mean, it's not obscene for you to imagine. I mean, you know, that's just a, it's a, it's part of the culture now too. you know, it's, it's a, a metaphor. I'm not worried about it, man. Too it's, much uh, of a good thing. We've we've all been there on one end or the other. Indeed. Um, I guess not all of us, but. Uh, Paul, did you hear the news today? Uh, let's see. I don't know. Did the black did the cops shoot another black person? Uh, y- yeah. Wait, was that today or yesterday? I mean, it's every day, but it, um, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> but I was talking, of course, that. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie broke up. Uh, we need to pander uh, to our masses uh, of, mm-hmm. you know, lowbrow fans. Yes. Um, who By should... playing... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say we could... The best music connection I can think of here is we could play some of Billy Bob Thornton's hot tracks. Oh. Because uh... <laughs> I don't think either Angie or Brad has ever had an embarrassingly terrible uh, rock star vanity music project but i could be wrong about that no although i wouldn't be surprised if at least angelina had like sung in a movie yeah um who, which, who, what rock star should brad pitt date 
Mm. It's a good question. He's old now, man. He's yeah. is he fifty? If he's not, he's close to it. I mean, the correct answer is Chris Martin. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Come the it's the Eskimo it's Eskimo brother incest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um uh obviously Brad Pitt is way too good for Chris Martin in that yeah. Brad Pitt is actually um great and Chris Martin is actually the worst. So, um yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Brad Pitt is considerably better at what he does than Chris Martin is. Oh yeah. Like I mean, who's the actor equivalent of Chris Martin? It's probably like fucking uh even Hugh Grant is too good for this comparison. Um, yeah, um, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yes, actually, that's good. Except that Chris O'Donnell hasn't had the inexplicable staying power of Coldplay. Yeah, um, probably. Hmm, this is a good one. I'm, yeah. I'm not as good with my actors as I am with my rock stars. Yeah. Um, we'll have to. If only we could phone our friend Taylor for an immediate answer. Yeah, maybe we should just say, hmm, uh, for five minutes until it comes to us. I, get, or, I think that's a good possibility. Yeah, or um, we could just move on to the next subject. Maybe Chris Martin will have a revival uh, the way that Matthew McConaughey did, and we will reevaluate his entire career. That would be, that's actually a good comparison, because Matthew McConaughey had, McConaughey had a lengthy career of uh, forgettable mediocrity, and then... Uh, suddenly became this like gonzo genius so although going back and seeing some of his older stuff like his like in like tropic thunder when he plays the agent like when that was that movie came out you're like this is silly but now you watch it and you're like he's fully committed to this and it's hilarious so i actually don't remember him in that movie at all so i should go back and check that out there's a good movie about where he's the moment where he's deciding um whether he should let um Who's the star of that movie? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's not the star of Tropic Thunder. Oh, Tropic Thunder. I was thinking of uh, Talladega Nights. Uh, uh, obviously, Tropic Thunder is Ben Stiller. Yes. Whether he should let, like, he, whether he should keep Ben Stiller alive or he should get a uh, new jet that he is being offered <laughs> to, to, to let Ben Stiller die, and he has the copy of g5 owner magazine in his hand and then a picture of ben stiller in the other <laughs> so, that's good like, okay this this is uh, still funny that's um, a that's a funny movie overall um, yes um and it's you know it's it's uh this, the the simple jack thing is uh, it's entered the culture it's now sort of a shorthand for a lot of well, different things yes and you know robert downey's uh, rather uh, robert downey jr's rather famous speech yes. about it is uh somehow tropic thunder's greatest contribution yeah. uh, to political discourse <laughs> yes that's part of what i was referring to <laughs> um yeah neither of us trusting ourselves to Oh, I'll say created. you should never go the full retard, Joe, but um, you can blank that out. Um, <laughs> um, no censorship on this show uh, unless we're censoring me saying, uh, for a solid 30 seconds, which uh-huh. I may have done. Did you? That's funny. I never noticed. Um, smoothly done. All right, Joe. Should we talk about music now, or did you have more thoughts on celebrity gossip? Um. 
No, I have no more thoughts on celebrity gossip. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, um, I'm deeply ashamed of you, but that's okay. Uh, let's go. Um, we opened with a track mm-hmm. by Mr. Sufjan Stevens. Uh, Subaru Stevens. Subaru Stevens, yes. Um, f- but from his album, uh, Carrie and Lowell, which came out last year. Yeah, um, but which Paul- is why we're calling this segment, You're Just Listening to This Now? <laughs> uh, it's I like that. Um, and it fits <laughs> in with this episode's overall theme, uh, which is too much music, colon, is there too much? <laughs> We discuss maybe too much. Yeah, I like it. Um, Yeah, so like just uh, a week or two ago, I finally listened to this album, even though, as I said before, I literally bought it like when it came out. Um, Because its reputation for being extremely sad preceded it. And um, I knew I just needed to, uh, to prepare my body fully for the experience of um very very sad Sufjan and uh uh people were not wrong about the sadness it's an extremely sad album and also an incredibly good album so um while I could have been listening to it for an extra year of my life uh I'm just glad that I get to listen to it at all really I you know I was gonna reply and say that now having listened to it more like this this when i came prepare for this episode i kind of went back and listened to the whole thing Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time in i think probably at least a few months um and you know i i saw him on the tour for this album uh and listened to it since uh, right around when it came out um i think it's gotten less sad uh for me did you listen to the lyrics man their lyrics are not happy but they don't Sufjan doesn't like I just can't um, shake his personality which is where he's like very self-aware of how um, depressed he is and he's kind of amused by it um, even as he's like continuing to fight through it Um, that's interesting he kind of know he knows that all his songs are about how his mother died and was extremely neglectful of him before that. And, <laughs> yes. um, you know, he, he realizes it's now on the meta level of singing about singing that about. Yes. That. I um, mean, he even like explicitly says that in a song. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, Which makes it extra meta. Extra meta you need meta, to add meta, meta. You need to add echoes when you uh, edit this podcast. I will. Um, so <laughs> then maybe when I like Sufjan's music so much that I'm kind of happy when I'm listening to it, even though it's so sad. Um, on the other mm-hmm. hand, maybe I'm just sad, uh, happy that someone is as depressing uh, <laughs> and dark inside as I am. <laughs> uh misery loves company joe we've reinvented the uh the aphorism um uh so i don't know having just like i just before this show read through the lyrics i got through like seven of the songs and uh um while i agree sufyan is definitely self-aware i mean um I don't think that for me doesn't really lessen the degree of pain, which is good because um, uh, 
I actually think Tormented Sufjan, and uh, I don't know if you agree, but I would say this is the most Tormented Sufjan, at least start to finish, is um, is the best Sufjan. Um, he, uh, mostly because it's not a wallow, really, you know? It's uh, all expressed in incredibly beautiful and well-done lyrics. There's all kinds of ambiguous uh, imagery and wordplay that... Um, just uh works beautifully and uh you know uh i don't know it's we talked about emo a few weeks ago and there may be some great emo lyrics but this is like um this is poetry quality sad lyrics so um uh the likes of which uh are hard to beat so i don't know well and it's interesting that we're you know now 10 years out from uh illinois mm-hmm. um and even five years out from the, epic the age of odds folk art explosion of age of odds and the all delighted people ep which was nearly album length mm-hmm. um and came out the same year uh as that um and uh, i f- i felt like illinois was almost well it has its it was it has its sad and dark sufyan moments i mean some of the best ones are on there but it's also like it in many ways like the first time he's departed from that mm-hmm. um and uh for extended periods and yeah this album is him totally coming home to that mm-hmm. probably the most he's ever embraced it um although you know seven swans is just as the tone is the same but seven swans is such a a deeply religious album yeah um that uh i think that even hides the sadness at some points oh yeah um, i think i think seven swans is more and maybe again here my my ch- well-churched perspective um, gives me a different point of view, but Seven Swans is more like uh, there's a sort of hushed awe to his encounter with the divine that's different mm-hmm. from sadness, um, though it's also profound totally. and, and solemn. It's not like just... Um, I mean, really, I've, the sense I got, especially with the lyrics I read, was that... Um, obviously loss is a big theme, but more that he is at a loss in that he, you know, is, uh, he, he continually finds himself sort of confronted with, uh, deep grief and sorrow and pain and is, is struggling to even find a way to put it in context and understand, uh, why it's happening and what it means. But, uh, still at the same time evoking it beautifully for us. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I think that maybe a theme here is that after all of the art he's created, he, um, is both frustrated and accepting of the fact that he, all of his baggage and, uh, inner torment remains and is, you know, maybe now trying to to work to a point where that is you know he is just accepting of that fact 
Yeah. And, but like I said, I mean, I feel like <laughs> he sees the death of his mother as, to a large extent, the permanent foreclosure of the chance to do that, to move beyond it and, and accept it properly. Because it's like, now she's gone and uh, can't ever fix everything, which is, you know, that's a theme other art touch, touches on and it's powerful. So, um, God bless Sufjan. Uh, I will say that I think the my main point uh, with playing down the sadness is that I wouldn't want to scare people away from this album uh, quite the way you were scared from it. Uh, I think <laughs> if you like Sufjan, you will find plenty to connect to here, mm-hmm. and um, it's not a dark night of the soul album. It, it's a fine uh, rainy day drive album. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wouldn't say I was scared. I was... It was actually, um, again, using uh, church metaphors, it was like uh, I needed to uh, be in the right spiritual state to approach something that I knew would be this good. Um, So it was more about just making sure uh, I did it justice. But um, yeah, uh, we've talked about how sad the lyrics are. The music is actually largely um, just really beautiful. Uh, It's almost percussionless which is a first for him it's never been heavy percussion on his albums but he usually has um it's usually there and um uh just very simple palettes of uh you know acoustic guitar banjo piano and some keywords and then lots of voice which um uh it's just amazing how how masterful he is he is at creating tension and release without the sort of dynamic shifts that are used a lot in the type of music uh, you and I listen to um, most of the time, like, you know, loud guitars and then quiet, pretty parts. It's, uh, you know, he'll go two measures where just the uh, the melodies are a little more complicated and hurried and then a couple where they relax a little bit. And just with that, he's, um, I don't know, he's just such a good songwriter, it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, <laughs> he... <laughs> He can release the tension without um, um, any sort of uh, bombastic, know, yeah, yeah, gimmick, or um, you know, just simply by uh, making the tiniest tweak mm-hmm. uh, into the the structure of the song. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that he uh, reminded me of something I was talking about uh, with Radiohead, uh, where you know, Sufjan is now on this tier where he understands his own talent Mm -hmm. and ability so well that he can execute it, um, his art, uh, almost flawlessly, Mm -hmm. uh, when he, when he wants to, um, uh, and when he is, you know, committed to doing his Sufjan thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah which uh i i agree with that and i think it's good that um he has turned out to be way less prolific than uh he once promised to be yeah 15 years ago um you know i think we can count this as his oregon album i didn't even realize that when i was listening to it but everything is about shit in oregon yeah so um he's now three states into it and he'll be done approximately the year 2700 but um <laughs> Uh, but, uh, that's fine because, um, whatever amount of time he needs to consistently produce just awesome songwriting, um, 
you know, when he's not really, if anything, he sort of has gone back to just like the base elements of the Sufjan sound here. So um, it really requires that the songwriting be awesome to continually be excellent. And uh, he was able to do that. And so he should not hurry himself if, uh, if time is what it takes. Uh, cannot, cannot argue with that. Um, the results uh, speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, since it's interesting that since Michigan, um, uh, including Michigan, um, he has not released a bad album. No. Um, Although I didn't know. listen to the Christmas album. I don't know. Was that good? The Christmas album is more of like this compilation of Christmas sketches. Right. Uh, it's really long. And some of them, well... Actually, you know, I, I think know. I did put it on once. That's more of a... Yeah, that's... It's you... It's not bad, but it's like five CDs of many short and a few really long Christmas songs. (laughs) Um, And it certainly delivers on being a Sufjan Christmas album. Uh, I recommend the final track, um, the 12 minute long Christmas unicorn. Nice. Um, Nice. Yeah. So Joe, you've got a year's perspective on this album, year and a half that I do not yet have. Uh, so with that, where do you think this stacks up in the, the Sufjan album, uh, rankings? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I think, um, that's one place where the, uh, now longevity of his career makes it a little difficult to compare. Uh, Mm. again, like with Radiohead, it's kind of hard to, you know, compare a moon-shaped pool with the Benz. Um, (laughs) Although Sufjan, of course, has made fewer stylistic leaps. Um, Yeah, I mean, you could probably, with a few arrangement changes, drop one of these tracks onto Michigan. Yes. And not really notice. Yes. Um, I think that uh, I would definitely um, listen to an argument that this was his best album. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of the masterful songwriting and just the um, kind of how well the theme uh, seems to flow, the themes flow throughout the whole album. Um, it's mm-hmm. like a, it's a very complete piece of work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, it's Michigan Seven Swans, <laughs> uh and illinois eat too uh, but especially the first two are just like my personally some of my favorite albums of all time yeah um so it's hard for him to compete with that yeah um i think that's fair like i wouldn't argue with anybody who picked any of those albums um uh and so i won't but um i do think there is a case to be made for this album maybe it's just that it might just be because of the meta information available that you know that this album is like really about Sufjan's life and <laughs> the deepest worst parts of it. So the, the sentiments in it feel uh, incredibly authentic. Whereas like um, uh, the, the Flint Michigan song that we played on a previous podcast um, while excellent, and I have nothing bad to say about that at all. It feel you, you know that that's Sufjan inhabiting somebody else's persona a little yes. bit. 
and um partially just in the context we live in where this is like a um uh you know a a white dude from brooklyn um sort of taking on the persona of uh you know if you took just the demographic average of the person he describes in that song it's like uh, a middle-aged black guy who's been fired from a factory it feels there's just a little bit of slight weirdness to that uh that hmm. com- combination of ig- identities that you don't have to deal with here so i'm not i'm not right. criticizing anything about that song it's so good so um, what's what's your favorite sufjan album paul <laughs> <laughs> well i don't have the perspective to really say but okay. um i could re- i could easily see myself deciding that it's carrie and lowell nice nice yeah. um uh, apparently, we need to do a Sufjan episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just did. <laughs> yeah. Um, 20, 20 minutes on Sufjan, which is great. Yes. Um, I, I, I guess my final thought on, on Sufjan's, this mini um, retrospective on Sufjan's career, is that I, I think those early albums, um, and of course, we're not counting his really weird earlier yeah. career stuff. Um I bought that at one of his shows and listened to it once. And um, like I said, I'm not really into noise music. So Um, what was I going to say? There's, I would say that Michigan and seven swans are fantastic indie rock albums, even though Mm -hmm. they're kind of the quietest or most twee or folky indie rock albums ever made. Um, Mm And I think they sort of belong at the near the top when you're considering great indie rock from the 2000s. Um, whereas Carrie and Lowell might, on the other hand, be, I think, have finally escaped kind of that definition of indie rock and become more of, you know, a, a, a piece of um, just a piece of, of art um, hmm. in a way that you know, kind of meant to be, uh, regarded. Um, I don't know what, what, how do you describe, you know, something that's like a little more literary, uh, than. Okay. Yeah. Outside the mainstream, even the indie rock stream. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that assessment of it. I can see what you're saying, but there's not a, I mean, I guess I think of, if I thought of the closest artist in sound to like Michigan, I would say something like Badly Drawn Boy, which is not even in the indie <laughs> scene. And everybody has forgotten about that guy a long time ago. But um, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't really see uh, Illinois's, and I don't know. Those albums are weird, even at the time, I feel like, personally. But yeah. um yeah. I don't. I can't think of anything else in my collection that sounds like Sufjan at any real point in his career. Yeah, that's true. That is why he's uh, so damn good. Yeah, it's not like he's uh, wildly experimental on Michigan, but it's still a a thing that, at least in my collection as an indie music fan, is not replicated a lot. So right. Mm. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. So, uh, Sufjan Stevens, we support him. Yes, and we will we will return to Sufjan someday. Yeah, um, whenever, especially, I, <laughs> who knows when he'll release more music. No one knows. Um, okay, so then the other uh, uh, 
slightly belated, much less belated this time out we were going to talk about was uh, Swan's The Glowing Man. Yeah, what are you going to play from this, Paul? I'm going to try to play a segment from the middle of the title track, The Glowing Man. Okay. So, um, uh, Good get luck. ready, people. Yeah. That was the glowing man by Swans from the Glowing Man again, um, and I love this band and I love this album and I love that groove. Um, Joe, should I launch into my soliloquy on the Glowing Man or should yeah, you? Yeah, sure. Your opinion, okay. Release, release <laughs> your glowing man. <laughs> um, I am a glowing man, as they say in that song. Um, so. Swans to me are like the most amazing band that exists in that I literally can't believe that a 60 plus year old man is leading a band that is this um, (laughs) full of life and energy. I'm pretty sure that he's the only person that old who has ever led a band that I found uh, as energetic, uh, entirely full of as much energy as he ever did, as he ever had. Um, it's uh this band um first of all just as a collection of personalities is genius um and uh and musicians uh i think uh michael gira the the who's really the one constant thread in swans over their 35ish year history is um has the best heavy metal voice of all time. Um, I say this as somebody who doesn't actually like most heavy metal singing, Hmm. Um, but uh, he can just bellow, but in tune. And it's also amazing how long he can sustain a note again in tune without even using vibrato, um, which I don't have any problem with vibrato, but most people use it. And um, uh, this holds up live too, by the way. I just saw them a couple weeks ago, as anybody who follows us on Twitter will know. And uh, one time, at one point, he even uh, stepped back from the mic, and um, I was right in front of him. But it, you could clearly hear him, and uh, uh, his voice is as strong as ever. Um, and then the this is, I think, the best uh, rhythm section I can think of in rock and roll. Um, I'm. I also want to retroactively go back to our indie band draft and replace. Uh-huh the uh honorable kim deal with um uh wow all of a sudden i blanked on the guy's name i'll look it up phil something (laughs) uh the uh bassist from swans who is so good uh i think my favorite part of swans is when they get into sort of a a really dark hard groove and he and the drummer just lock in 
during those and i love it the drummer is great the a lot of the guitar noise is actually this old uh colonel sanders looking guy who uh plays the lap steel uh heavily distorted and then they've got another guitarist who's great and then <laughs> the most amazing character is uh thor their auxiliary percussionist who single-handedly redeems the position of auxiliary percussionist <laughs> from every joke about how lame a job that is in a band because he's a massive literally barbarian looking dude who plays with no shirt on and has hair all over his chest he's not like shredded but he is built and he has slightly balding very long hair and he stands back there and like bangs on things including a giant gong and sometimes whips out a big trombone and is just a hilarious dude um so uh all these guys together um make uh music that uh combines hardness uh darkness um uh ambient beauty at times and uh just incredible uh rhythmic grooves and um it's amazing that they can play a 28 minute song where i that is you know only has like four or five movements in it which is not a lot for 28 minutes um and uh i'm engaged in rocking out the whole time you are engaged in rocking out darkly hardly (laughs) well not but not hardly rocking out no no we all know what you mean joe with much hardness yes um so how do you feel about swans i actually don't know what you're about to say uh oh the tension is is tight it's also hard hard (laughs) tense uh i I thought about extending this go ahead no never mind go on it would just be tasteless what i was going to say uh hard and tasteless uh <laughs> <laughs> um uh okay so what i was gonna what how could i talk about swans um i uh i guess i would say that uh i wish that perhaps you had pitched them in the way you just pitched them to our audience to me um i have listened to this album twice Mm -hmm. uh and the only way i could say it is that of the bands in in our life our shared life that you've recommended to me strongly Uh it's probably the one i've connected to the least yeah uh i don't I um lay us your hot take, Joe. You can you can disagree with me vehemently if you wish. Yeah. Um well, I I f- I can only disagree. You know, I don't I don't have an angry hot take. Mm-hmm. Um more that I find um to me I was not interested in this. Yeah. Um I found it um uh, I, I turned it on for the first time. I uh, wanted to get excited about it, um, having heard your praise and others' mm-hmm. uh, praise for it, um, and kind of found it found it weird um, mm-hmm. at time. The ambient parts kind of dull, mm-hmm. and overall, uh, just dark. <laughs> <laughs> 
in a way that I think, to use that word, and I also had that word dark written down, dark (laughs) in a way that I almost understood too quickly and found myself without much use for over the course of a 28 minute song. <laughs> uh, I was, it was almost like someone was about to explain something to me. I, I already understood. Um, and I was like, no, no, I get it. I, I agree with you. Um, let's, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that, go ahead. Yeah. And, and that, I think that, you know, um, and listening to this, to, you know, this short segment again, maybe out Mm -hmm. of the context, I was like, you know, this, this does, it obviously rocks. And I, and, you know, not sitting down and listening to the album and and listening to a short clip of it. um, Even then I I was a a little more into that, uh, that hard groove. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And uh it it has that um cinematic quality to it that i often mm-hmm. we often discuss where um I, I find it a little too much of a a soundtrack mm-hmm. uh to something um where i'm not i i i don't really want to go on that <laughs> detailed of a journey yeah um yeah so i mean these are these are fair criticisms i could totally see how somebody (laughs) would be bored listening to i mean especially like uh on the previous album there's like a six minute stretch in a 33 minute song (laughs) where they're literally playing one chord um and they're just playing it fast and loud and how or fast and hard and loud lard and howd nice um (laughs) With, you know, drums and other things going on. But it's not like it's complicated, intricate songwriting or anything. Um, to me, they're just a very physical band. I think that's yeah. what gets me about them, is um, just how much they make, uh, they they possess my body. Um, which, it's, it's sort of a spiritual ecstasy, uh, slain in the spirit, to use an evangelical term, type of thing going on, where um, I... Uh, you know, like I actually listened to that track, The Glowing Man, for 28 minutes just before this podcast um, wow. while I was making an omelet. And um, but I was also headbanging while I made that omelet. You're having an omelet at 930 at night. Yeah, I eat late because I work out in the evenings. Um, and uh, omelets are delicious any time of day, Joe. That they are. Dinner. They are. I will eat eggs literally any time of day. Yeah. Especially if you actually know how to make an omelet as an aside i suggest everybody go look up jacques pepin the famous french cook and his youtube clips on how to make an omelet anyway uh, i uh, prefer i prefer a good scramble uh, ah, anyway. there's nothing wrong with a good scramble yeah. anyway um uh but possibly the reason you have that preference is you haven't had a properly made omelet anyway <laughs> um anyway um i uh uh so I get it. If you think these songs are long and monotonous and uh, uh, you don't, if it doesn't, if you don't just immediately feel this music, then I don't think there's anything I could say or anything you could do to, to get what I get out of it. It's just like, it just is elemental. It's like the same way that um, looking at a really nice pair of breasts works for me as a straight man. This music does <laughs> 
works on that sort of same unthinking level. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. That's the, <laughs> the boobies of music. <laughs> I uh, would say, have you ever listened to uh, To Be Kind, their previous two-hour album? Uh, I have not, no. You might... You might like that better if you went back and listened to like all the songs that are under ten minutes. Okay, um, especially I will try the, that. Especially the first track, which is just amazingly good. Um, I would say that one. There's way less of the ambient stuff, and um, uh, which I actually like the ambient stuff just because you need a break in between all the other shit going on. Um, but right. there's less of that. The that first track is very much a a heavy groove album or, or song. Um, you know, skip the 30 minute songs because they definitely do the sort of like just, uh, you know, endless bashing repetition thing that, uh, I'm surprised that I like, but I do. So, um, give that a shot and see what you think. I, I will. Uh, what, how would you classify this music? So that's another point. I, uh, not only can I not classify it, I, it seems that nobody can because every th- time I've read anything about Swans, the author feels compelled to mention that they totally defy genre. Um, so one wants to say that it's heavy metal just because it's really heavy, right. but it doesn't really go along with any of the other metal tropes besides heaviness, really. Um, the singing the there aren't a lot of people who have a voice like Michael Gira's. Um, he, the, the riffs, I mean, it's more like, it's more like almost trance music with the distortion turned all the way up <laughs> or something. Right. You know, it's just, uh, about finding a groove and locking into it. Um, and I, I guess just the addition of all that, that power really does it for me. Cause I don't, like trance music really so it's it's um yeah i could i the only thing i could get to was some combination of black metal which mm-hmm. is apparently what death heaven is um as i you know i'm not great on my kinds of metal yeah um but combination of like black metal and post rock yeah that's actually a decent description too actually um, definitely that sort of long building thing that you get with post rock. Yeah. But might uh, fit ultimately in the term in that all encompassing term experimental. Yes, exactly. Um, Oh, one other thing I'll note is that, uh, you'll recall I drafted Akyung Lee, uh, for my indie band and she actually does appear on the second track of this uh-huh. album doing there weird cello go. shit. Nice. Um, and it works perfectly. So, uh, without even having heard that at the time, I was correct. She would be great in that role. Uh, okay. Well, um, my my uh, my indie rock supergroup has already broken up due to artistic <laughs> and personal differences. So. <laughs> well, here I am, the manager, changing out the personnel of mine. So that's not so good right. either. Right. Um, I will also say, uh, uh, going to see Swans live, which I've now done twice, is uh, those are two of the best concerts of my life. Um, this one, I managed to be right up front at the stage and, uh, I actually dared to just go without ear protection for large portions of this show, which I normally don't wear earplugs, but the Swans shows are so famous for being loud that Mm. I was scared into preparing myself. But, um, 
I didn't actually suffer too badly afterwards, even though like being right up next to the stage, I got sort of a shitty mix because all I was really hearing was the monitors. And yeah. um, really what I was hearing was Michael Gira's guitar monitor mostly. Um, like I couldn't really hear the drums that well uh, or the bass, which were on the other side of the stage from me uh, a little bit. But it was still, I mean, they played the songs actually a lot like they sound on the album, but the sh- you lose a lot in fidelity, but you gain so much in just amazing physical power uh even though i couldn't really hear the kick drum i could feel the air vibrating around me every time it hit so (laughs) it's always a good sign yeah um you know trick i random trick uh i learned Uh is that and perhaps you know this but our audience does not that if you don't care about um you know, being in the pit or being as close as possible to the band, standing directly in front of the soundboard, especially if the soundboard's in the middle Mm -hmm. uh, leg of the stage is always like the best place for the sound because that's the person who's mixing it and they are looking, you know, they listen for how it sounds right there. Yeah. That's a great point. I, uh, I thought about moving back just to actually hear the speaker system instead of the monitors, um, which were way overhead and actually yeah. slightly behind me. Um, and uh, But being up close was cool. And uh, <laughs> at the end of the show, I uh, got I bought a vinyl copy of the album and got it signed. And the, the lap steel guy uh, walked by and I said, thanks for coming because I don't understand why a band like that comes to Tucson. Um, and uh, <laughs> I was standing like right in front of him the whole time. And he just looked at me. He's like, yeah, you had fun. Uh, (laughs) which what on the one hand is excellent on the other hand the fact that it was me and about three other people out of a crowd of a couple hundred who were noticeably having more fun than everybody else uh leads me to rant once again that white people are terrible and um you know nobody at the vince staples show would have been able to really stand out by just uh sort of rocking really hard to the music which is all i was doing i wasn't smashing into anybody uh and um just uh, particularly with swans where like i said it is just totally physical music uh you can sit there quietly and you can sit there respectively and listen to the song to swans in your living room and it will actually probably sound better because again you can actually hear the different parts of the the different instruments better uh the physical power is what you go to a swans show for so uh at least in tucson everybody sucks and i hope they die Oh, wow. That is dark and hard. (laughs) I don't know. It just really pisses me off that people are so lame. I'm I'm fucking 34 years old. I'm almost 35. I shouldn't be this much better at going to shows than all the kids. You're from the the generation that knew how to rock out at a a small club show. I guess so. But I mean, in the early 2000s, people bitched about this too. And um, I don't know. I definitely saw it back then at times too. I did see better shows now than I do, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, mm. uh, that's all I got on swans, Joe. Um, okay. Uh, a little clash, a little s- sass, uh, <laughs> no going nowhere with that. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we've been talking for a while. Yeah. And yet we will still keep talking. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a good article uh, in the New York Times. Well, we'll see if it was good uh, about um, 
Leonard Cohen's uh, infamous song, Hallelujah, mm-hmm. um, be, which was most recently played uh, at the Emmys um, by someone who I did not know, probably because I'm old. Um, did you watch the Emmys, Joe? I did not. Oh, okay. I did not. Um, Good move. And uh, the article catalogs the many times the song has been used and overused in pop culture, covered by many different people, mm-hmm. uh, including the Nicolas Cage film, The Art of War, which sounds <laughs> maybe the worst usage. Um, there were a lot that sounded really horrendous. Like, like even I never watched the OC, but uh, yes. a teen soap opera using this song as cheap melodrama is just god didn't it like uh it didn't they use it three times like it was it was at least episodes. two there may have been a third yes <laughs> uh joe when did you first hear the song hallelujah in any of its versions uh i think that i heard the original leonard cohen version um Sometime early in college, uh, someone wisely pushed that one on me, um, and then I quickly heard uh, both the uh, Jeff Buckley and uh, uh, the, I think, f- surprise this article did not mention the Rufus Wainwright version. Oh, I guess it did. It did, actually. It yeah. did. But like to me, that was sort of the defining version in terms of everyone I know having heard the song the wainwright I, version yeah i felt uh. like that 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 song got it got that version got a lot of play and that you know it was a uh, you know on in the college coffee shop like 24 7 that's funny the one i became first aware of was the buckley version which i just bought that album on reputation in college and uh uh in fifa soccer <laughs> on the Xbox, you used to be able to rip your own MP3s into the game and play those during the game. Wow. And so we put that album on uh, as my friends and I all played uh, like four-player FIFA. And um, interesting uh, choice. Well, we did. You know, it was just like, hey, here's an album. Let's listen to it. And um, uh, we were all struck by, you know, of course he gets to the part where he just does the long falsetto note, and uh, it was just like, oh, holy shit. So. Um, that version is so good that that's to me that's the reason why this song is big but maybe that's just because that's the version i know but um uh i have to agree with this article that it's just ridiculous that our culture has fumbled uh the possession of such a beautiful piece of music so badly by just um smashing it in everybody's face in the cheapest way possible so many times um I obviously agree with the author of this article that the song is wildly overused. Uh, no surprise. Um, yeah. It felt that way years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as it started showing up on American Idol, it was like, uh, well, that's yeah. done. <laughs> um, so my real question is, are we the people calling for the excision of this song from pop culture um, perhaps the few who are smart enough to be immune to most of pop culture's charms anyway. <laughs> um, basically, is there just a certain group of people who 
um, this would really bother. Um, and everyone else is, um, uh, you know, every time they hear hallelujah is one time too few. And they really lack the, the luxury um, of time or the concern to evaluate uh, what I call the fourth dimensional weight that has glommed <laughs> onto the song throughout their life. You know, that's uh, a really good point, actually. Um, you know, maybe we see that, you know, um, like the aliens in um, Slaughterhouse-Five, like we're seeing it, you know, across all time. And most <laughs> people only see it uh, in that one uh, certain instance right then. Yeah. Um, you may be right. Uh, other people uh, do seem to have people who are not as into music as we are specifically. Uh, which is almost everybody, um, do seem to have a much le- a much more tireless appetite for having the same shit served back to them again and again and again and again. And just, uh, I already like this, give me more of it, is uh, an attitude that seems to, to satisfy uh, a large proportion of at least American humanity. I mean, there's the there are a lot, a lot of people on this earth who are buying uh, funny hand painted signs that say uh, "Life's a beach, but I'm a bitch," uh, and <laughs> hanging that in their bedroom. And I, those people are, um, yeah, I can't, I can't explain to them why, you know, why I would literally never want to look at that sign, let alone put it in my like personal space to be seen over and over again that's true their minds are like alien to me like why why would you not realize that that's corny as shit and out and played out but and, uh, without you know of course i'm in this pretentious pose about it right now but i mean uh, their life is probably better than mine so <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing pretentious about thinking that it's good to challenge yourself and not just uh <laughs> eat your own vomit over and over again um, um. <laughs> so <laughs> again uh i think we've established by now that i i i certainly try to refuse to apologize for my taste right um and i don't expect them to apologize either but uh um yeah uh i think you're probably right most people are probably like oh my god it's that song i love um and like you said they're probably happier for it being that way but right. maybe not deeper. Um, which is, I, I think, perhaps the explanation why this um, song continues to work. Mm-hmm. Um, although it would be f- interesting to see if you could find an example of a song that uh, was literally killed from overuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean... Some really popular things go out of style eventually. We'll have to think about that. Have you seen the new Star Trek movie, or would you ever see it? Uh, if somebody told me it was just so fucking fun, then yeah, I would watch it. But I'm not independently interested in it. It. Uh, hmm. Do I want to spoil it? Okay, everyone. Yeah, yeah, I don't give a shit. You don't care. Okay, everyone else uh, hit the skip 60 seconds ahead button. That um, uses the song Sabotage um, in a <laughs> corny and crucial moment. It's pretty fun, but when that was happening, I was like, I am done with this song. Like, yeah. this is a great way to be using it, and I'm just completely done with it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. 
figure out something else. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten sick of that song, but it's it's annoying when when other works of art use something like that that's just such a easy ready to hand signifier. Like right. there are definitely songs that would work there that people haven't heard a million times and wouldn't be the first thing that anybody off the street would pick, you know? And right. So mostly I just feel pandered to and like I'm watching something lazy when something like that happens. Right. Uh, and and Paul, I said, you know, we don't we don't have to listen to it. Um, uh, you know, I don't. Did you get a chance to listen to that song I sent you? Yeah. And it's actually really good. Yeah. Well, we could play it real quick. Yeah. OK. This is so, uh, a yeah. this is nobody other by Kaja Bonet. I hope that's how you say her name. Yeah, I have no idea. So did Co- Leonard Cohen write that song? Was that an original Leonard Cohen? No, I actually that? wrote uh, this song. I mean, I picked this song uh, just quite randomly because I heard it today. It mm-hmm. came out a week ago um, uh, from Kaja Bonet's forthcoming album, which seems like it's, it's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought, um, I was like, this is a beautiful song. And you know what? Probably like there's a time when, you know, hallelujah was used that there's like 10 other really great, Mm -hmm. like new songs that you could go out and find. And, um, you know, I think people would have ranging from us to the folks we were, uh, the mysterious others that we were talking about a bit earlier, they would all enjoy it. And yeah. I think that's what makes me the most kind of upset about this is not so much that like people aren't getting tired of this song, but that they're missing out on other great music. Exactly. Um, no, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, you know, Freddie DeBoer, whom we may have mentioned a couple times, he once wrote recently about somebody who once told him that for books, his diet is he reads The Hobbit. And then when he's done with The Hobbit, he reads The Lord of the Rings. And then when he's done with The Lord of the Rings, he starts The Hobbit again. Whoa. <laughs> Just the same thing over and over his whole life. That's what he, that's what he does. And you know, Freddie described that as a kind of prison in itself. And I totally agree. Like, I don't know. Part of it is yes. just just temperament. And it's not like something I can claim to have w- earned through merit. But um, if we're talking in some sort of metaphysical sense of uh, independent uh, 
self-worth making. But um, I just can't imagine living like that, man. I, I crave new and wonderful things all the time. And uh, uh, like you said, this song is really good. Now, it's also sort of a throwback 60s type of sound, but it still sounds fresh and everything. Right. And uh, uh, it's great. Um, yeah, I, I have know of many people who, who, uh, their primary reading diet is all seven Harry Potter books over and over (laughs) again. Yeah, I do. I want to shout out, um, that I heard that song today on, um, uh, my old Kentucky blog has a serious (laughs) XMU, uh, radio show. And he usually puts a playlist up on his blog. Um, and it's just absolutely fantastic. I always, kind of go crazy and discover like you know five new songs that i love um and uh so that's something that i really recommend checking out if you want to hear uh something new something different um it's uh it's not hard to find nice there are people out there ready to show it to you like us like us um obviously if you're listening to this podcast uh you probably just have immaculate taste already. Um, and the low number of people with that taste explains our, our listenership numbers. Um, so <laughs> really it's because we're too good. Uh, speaking of which, though, um, uh, we would appreciate it if you did let some of the dirty heathens you know know about our podcast, whether by um, uh, you know, telling them to follow us on Twitter at Savage Beast Pod or uh, subscribing to us and uh, rating us and reviewing us on iTunes, which, again, even if they hate us, uh, we would love to hear that. Uh, also, emails at savagebeastpod at gmail.com and uh, our website, savagebeastpod.com, all great ways to learn more about the beast uh, within. So uh, thanks, everybody. We really appreciate you listening. Uh, and uh, thank you my mutual uh, (laughs) co-host dependent (laughs) yeah symbiotic being mm -hmm. Paul McLeod (laughs) thank you Joe that really means a lot to me Uh, we've come a long ways in the past hour it means exactly the same to me as we are exactly equal (laughs) and good night Uh, good night